Welcome back to the Nomi Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Nomi Podcast, your reliable resource for self discovery and self awareness. I'm Cynthia, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm Madeline, a trained coach and partner on this journey. Together, we aim to help you navigate life's complexities. We're diving into a topic that touches us all, money anxiety. But we're not just discussing the stress, we're venturing into the transformative realm of the sufficiency mindset. We'll explore the concept of enough, learn how to tap into our inner resources, and understand how these tools can guide us towards greater fulfillment and a healthier money mindset. So whether you've grappled with financial worries or you're intrigued by the idea of sufficiency, we hope this episode provides insights and sparks curiosity. So get ready, find a comfortable spot, and let's unravel our money anxieties together. We're so glad you're here. Let's get started. So there's a little bit of a theme going on in some of the conversations I'm having, and that topic is money. Money Ah. has been coming up a lot with my clients, and it's coming up a lot also with other coaches that I'm speaking to. This idea of how to get more clients, how to get more money, and for my clients, how to earn more, how to enable them to do things they want to do. And it all just comes back to big fear and big anxiety around this thing that we call money. What are your thoughts Mm. on that? My thoughts on it are it is one of the drivers that throws us into mental distress, Mm. right? And sometimes physical distress as well, because we live in a world and a society that puts a lot of value on money. I would Mm. go as far as to say that our societies make money a value as opposed to a tool. And when we do that, it's really a slippery slope. Not only do we feel the financial stressors of making ends meet just so that we can take care of our basic needs. You mentioned anxiety and fear and maybe even a little sadness, but we also have to wrestle with shame and guilt about Mm -hmm. haves and have nots. And then we're so focused on external money's an external resource that we're losing sight of going internal with internal resources. And it can lead to addictions and obsessive thoughts, all sorts of really unhealthy ways of being. Yes, absolutely. And I want to pick up on a word that you transitioned to while you were talking because you said society tends to put us in a position where money is a value instead of Mm. it being a tool. And then you use this magic Mm -hmm. word called resource. And you said money Mm -hmm. being a resource. And so I agree with you completely. I think that this is a really interesting thing. Money has value. Money Mm -hmm. is not a value, right? We cannot hold money as a value in the same way that we hold kindness, compassion, persistence, Mm -hmm. drive as value. However, when we conflate it as such, it becomes messy, really messy. And so that's Mm -hmm. a really important point on the language that we use around money is it can have value. It inherently does have value. That's how the systems Mm -hmm. around money work. Mm -hmm. But it's not a value. It's a resource. Mm -hmm. And that opens Mm -hmm. up the conversation to how we can start to attack the fear and anxiety driven mindsets around money, which is What are our resources? If we think about our other external resources, right? The word resource is a good thing. We want resources. Resources Mm. are good things, right? So if we're thinking about other external resources, we're thinking about, I don't know, maybe our cultural and artistic resources, maybe our healthcare system, maybe 
we value them, but they don't become a value. So they're an external valuable resources that we have, right? So now let's flip it. If we make money, an internal resource, then it butts in the head of some of our really good internal resources or really powerful internal resources, such as self-awareness, caring for self, such as seeking meaningful connections in ways other than money. And when you talk about making money an internal value like this, the way I like to think of it is our values and strengths are often the way that we Mm -hmm. measure our impact, we measure our fulfillment, right? And Mm -hmm. so if you're trying to internalize money as a value, then you're using it as a measuring stick, which is one of the gross sticky parts of the system that we were talking about earlier. So you're going Mm -hmm. to literally put a dollar amount on your self-worth. I've always hated that phrase as well. When people Mm -hmm. are like, blah, blah, celebrity, net worth 10 million. I'm like, why are we Mm -hmm. putting price tags on people? And it's because of this, right? It's because Mm -hmm. we're equating the human life and the being Mm -hmm. in front of us with the Mm -hmm. monetary value. Internalizing money as a value is going to cause us to trump and truncate all of these other things. And it also erases our uniqueness because if we're Mm. superimposing an external structure of money on ourselves, we're basically saying that all the things that make us special and wonderful, all of our other values and strengths that are inside of us are less important because Mm -hmm. we're all just going to play on the same level playing field of money equals value. All your other values can basically be tossed in the skip. So there's the first place to start, right, is to really think about who do I want to be in relationship with money? What role do I want to play as a human being with money? You talked about some of the other coaches that you're in connection with. And and I have the same thing that happens with some of my colleagues, my other counselors, is that, yes, the reality is we would like to make a living. And yes, we think that what we have to offer is valuable, meaning that it deserves or should require a monetary fee. But the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I want to help. I want to be a resource. I want to make a difference in people's lives. I want to share some of my knowings and hopefully be able to see aha moments and things like that. When I come from that point of view and then I have a relationship with money, one of the things I do in my practice is that I take health insurance because I can. So then that bridges the gap between people being able to access me versus some people not being able to has nothing to do with what I think the value is of this of the service that I'm providing, nor what other people think the value is. Back in the day, I don't know, I might be dating myself, Madeline, but maybe you remember there was a, I think it was either MasterCard or Visa did a whole slew of commercials about trip to Disney, $5,000, souvenir, light saber $10 experience with your five-year-old priceless. I would like to believe in my opportunistic mind or my feel-good mind that they did it because they wanted to say, here's a vehicle, here's a tool, a credit card, but this is not the end-all be-all. Money is not the end-all be-all. And in similar vein, I have, so a lot of my clients, I coach in business. So they're either coaches Mm -hmm. themselves or freelancers or someone Mm -hmm. who both want to work on their mindset and also want to work on the growth of their business. I always have this conversation with my 
my clients where I tell them to basically list all the reasons why they're running their business. So exactly what you just mm-hmm. said for yourself, right? I help mm-hmm. people. I want to be a resource. I want to whatever. For let's take freelancers. With freelancers, it's usually something along the lines of I want to be creative and I want to have a lot of stimulation and I want to work on exciting projects and be on the edge of innovation and I want to be free. Freedom is a huge part of owning a business. Those are internal resources, right? Those are values that they have. And we're able to also look at the external resources. So some resources are limited and those resources Mm -hmm. are time, energy, and money. So those Mm -hmm. are resources within our world that aren't endless but they can be Mm -hmm. sufficient. And what I encourage my clients to do is I encourage them to take the internal values that they have and the reasons for why they're doing this and marry the limited external resources to that. And the way we do this often is I even say, give me the top four things that you need to be successful in your business by your value standard. And they'll say something Mm -hmm. like, I need flexibility, I need energy, I need money, and I need stimulation. So that could be four things. Notice how that's a mix of limited and unlimited resources because they're looking Mm. at what's important to them in this moment in time, not just limiting beliefs, right? Or not just money. And then when we talk about projects over the course of time, because there's a lot of decision making in what clients to take on, what projects to take on, Mm -hmm, what things to mm -hmm. do, I ask them, rate it one out of 10. What would this bring to you? It might be an eight in money, but a two in flexibility. Right now, you might have a need for more flexibility in your life, in which case the money's not worth it because you're going to be sacrificing Mm -hmm. one of your other resources that's too important. What I bump into a lot of times is young people who are maybe just graduating from college or a trade school or something, but they're just about to take that step into being financially. And I use this qualifier with them because financially independent is just a portion of independence. Mm. It's not the independence. And a lot of them have the belief that if they're not making money, if they're not getting a job as quickly as possible so that they can make money, they're not independent. And so we identify that that's not the only thing we want to look at, right? Mm. We want to look at and identify some internal resources that maybe contribute to you being independent, that the end game isn't the money. The end game is being true to you. So no matter what angle you're coming from in terms of understanding your resources, we can always, we can all come back to the beautiful car metaphor. If we stay with our car metaphor for a second, there are many things that make the car go and keep right. going and staying in ideal condition, right? So you could have windshield wiper fluid, there's oil. It's not just gas, right? It's not just right. gas in the go pedal. That makes and it run. Exactly. Yes. And so some of the things have more urgency than others. For example, if you mm-hmm. haven't gotten your oil changed in the history of having your car, then you might want to do that. And if you're running on empty, then yep you're going to need to take yourself to the gas station. Mm-hmm. However, it doesn't mean that the other things aren't necessary. It just means Mm -hmm. that at different times, we have different levels of urgency around different things that contribute to the car, different Mm -hmm. resources that we need to pull Mm -hmm. in to make this machine work. 
And so when you're thinking about what your resources are, it's important to not only identify what they are, but also understand how they play roles in your life, right? How they influence you. And that helps you to do what is the next stage, which is learning how to allocate your resources. So mm -hmm. if, if you know that you have an hour to get to your destination with the car metaphor and that your tank is running on empty, you might allocate some of your time and some of your money in order to put more gas in the tank. Same thing for our internal worlds, right? If we notice about ourselves that we're running ourselves into the ground, you might allocate some of your time and your money toward whatever feels rejuvenating toward you because you need mm -hmm. that in order to do the next stage of things that are coming your way. But we can't get mm -hmm. to the stage of allocation until we understand how our resources influence and impact our lives. Absolutely. And one of the things that can stop us is if we're coming at it with fear and anxiety, which we were talking about a lot of our clients are discussing with us, right? That I'm really fearful around this topic. I'm fearful that I'm not going to be able to feed myself, put a roof over my head, clothe myself. And then the other things that like you were talking about identifying our needs, what are our needs as as our unique human being? So allocating it is not just necessarily about prioritizing, right? It is about, it's about just identifying. Identifying, allocate, and then continue really being curious around, oh, did that have the desired result that I wanted? Was there a return on my investment to the level that I was hoping to have a return on my investment? And if not, maybe there's a pivot that needs to be there. What's also coming up right now is this, when we talk about return on investment, is that it doesn't always have to be more when we are looking at the return on our investment. Mm -hmm. It can be enough. And this is the anti-hero of money mindset is the mm. not enough thing. So when you talked about, am I going to be fed? Am I going to have shelter? Am I going to have my needs met, my basic core needs met? The narrative that is very attached to money and very attached to fear around our needs is not enough. And so a lot of times in the conversation around money, what will come up is abundance mindset. But there's actually a stepping stone that's really important when it comes to money or any resource for that matter, which is the sufficiency mindset. Sufficiency is all about the concept of enough. And there's this wonderful book called The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. And I'm going to just read an excerpt from her book on sufficiency. Sufficiency isn't an amount at all. It's a consciousness, an attention, an intentional choosing of the way we think about our circumstances. Sufficiency is a context we bring forth from within that reminds us that if we look around us and within ourselves, we will find what we need. There is always enough. So mm. sufficiency mindset is really about understanding that no matter where enough is coming from, no matter what resource we reach toward, there will be enough. We are mm. capable human beings and mm -hmm. internal and external, there is enough for everyone to thrive. This sufficiency mindset is so important because it is the key to moving away from the scarcity mindset or mm -hmm. the fear-based mindset or the fixed mindset into the growth mindset. It's where gratitude lives. 
right? Mm -hmm. Of focusing on what we have rather than focusing on what we lack. It's where generosity lives, which is the willingness to share our resources with others, knowing that there's enough to go around. It's where creativity lives, the ability to see alternative solution and possibilities rather than, uh, you know, that limited and fixed mindset. It's where openness lives, uh, the willingness to receive and accept from others, knowing that giving and receiving are interconnected. There, It's just not a one-way street. And it's where contentment lives, you know, the feeling of satisfaction, right? And fulfillment in the here and now, rather than always striving for more. I talk to my clients a lot about this is stop moving the goalpost. No wonder you're never getting a goal. You keep moving the goalpost. And then lastly, it is the seed for the belief in abundance. A hundred percent. And let's talk about that seed for a second. Yeah, let's talk about that seed. So I am a trained coactive coach and there's many models and frameworks out there. Coactive is just one of them. And there is a cornerstone that we hold to be true as coaches in any coaching relationship or encounter, which is that people are naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. This is something that we as coaches hold our clients to be and we hold ourselves to be. And it's really important that it's both, right? And this goes against the idea that people need to be handheld, that people are broken mm -hmm. and need to be fixed, mm -hmm. that they need mm -hmm. to be given advice and they need to be given the mm -hmm. solutions and guided. And so by holding our clients naturally creative, resourceful, and whole and holding ourselves naturally creative, resourceful, and whole, we empower the relationship. It's where that power comes from. And when it comes to sufficiency and the idea of being enough, it's not just about having enough time and energy. It's also about an affirming the enoughness of our strengths as well and acknowledging mm. our resourcefulness as people. When I was at the beginning stages of building my own business, my own practice, I would often get mentally stuck in panic around money. Like every couple of weeks, I would be calling you mom and saying, oh my God, I don't have clients and I need to get more and more of this and more of that. And how am I going to make it? One of the ways that I would push back the anxiety of owning a business was to tell myself the mantra of if someone burst into the room and said, you have to make $1,000 in a week, I knew I could do it. And for a really long time, I just focused on the money part of that statement. And it wasn't until I zoomed out a little bit to understand why that statement was so calming to me that I actually saw the truth underneath it. And it had nothing to do with the dollar amount. I could have put any dollar amount in that statement and the same essence would have been true, which is that it was reminding me of my resourcefulness and creativity. It was my way of saying that if a challenge presents itself to me, and my only choice is to overcome that obstacle or challenge. I will find a way. I believe in my ability to be resourceful. I believe in my ability to creatively problem solve. I believe in my ability to be capable of meeting the challenges in front of me. And this is the core of this tenet of naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. It's the belief that my clients, even if they don't have the answers for themselves right now, if we work together on building up the person in front of us and empowering our relationship with each other, that there is another version of them one day that's going to be able to get over that. And we're just bridging that gap together because that greatness is always inside of them, even if they don't feel that they can reach toward it. And this is the essence of sufficiency. It's the idea of enough is always there. Whether or not we choose to turn toward that fact, enough mm -hmm. is always there. And that's why it's such a key stepping stone to abundance. It's in that acceptance of what we have inside of us always 
to help us get toward the opportunities and things that we really long for in life. This perspective is so important of enough. When I first started doing counseling, people would come into my office with a whole bunch of labels on themselves. And one of the labels was that they weren't enough. One of the labels was that they were broken. And so I would invite them really early on, what if you believed that you were enough? Never mind had enough. How about if you just believed you were enough and that you weren't broken and you removed the labels and also the internal dialogue and sometimes external dialogue that reinforces that you're not enough? Wonder Mm -hmm. if you switch the script about owning our greatness, right? Owning our possibilities, owning our opportunities, owning the fact that no, we're not broken. We don't need to be fixed. We just need to believe that we're enough. And then whatever we have available to us takes on an an Mm -hmm. extra charge. It really does. Mm -hmm. If we focus on what is available to us, then we can completely shift our mindset around how we feel emotionally. And that's ultimately Mm -hmm. what it comes down to. When we think about Mm -hmm. wanting more money for things... Most of the time, beyond our basic needs, it's attached to this concept of fulfillment. And so if Mm -hmm. we can increase our awareness and capacity to find fulfillment with resources and in ways that extend far beyond money, we open ourselves to opportunities. And that's where abundance mindset comes in. Mm -hmm. Because when we accept the enoughness of what we have and we step into that contentment of gratitude and presence, we enable ourselves to see opportunities And by seeing those opportunities, we usually are able to feed more resources into ourselves. Absolutely. So the wealth from within. Okay, let's come up with some tangible things, right, for our listeners about how to have a healthy relationship with money. First thing that came to mind is just what we were talking about, Madeline, which is developing a mindset of sufficiency. And then being a chief financial officer in a previous life, so to speak, I thought the other thing that might really be helpful is to create a budget. Because if we have a clear understanding of how much money we're bringing in and how much money is going out, and if we have any saving goals, it helps us make decisions that are more in line with where we are coming from on a value state, what role it plays in our lives. And then setting financial goals, I think is a good one. Practicing gratitude, giving back, using money as, of course, a tool rather than an end in itself and investing in ourselves. You talked about self-care. You talked about, you know, that sometimes you realize that the resource is that you need to have a little energy. You're feeling a little depleted or a quarter tank of gas or you're running on fumes, so to speak. And being mindful, not only of our spending, but also being mindful of our generating of these resources. And then, of course, partnering, connecting with people that might have more expertise about either finding a career or a job not based on money. It's a component, but based on other things like a career coach or or just a coach that can help us tease out these strengths and values. That was the list I came up with of some down and dirty things that might get someone on a journey of a more healthy relationship with money. And for me, the only thing I'd add just as like a, it was woven throughout, but just to really underscore it is you got to figure out what you want first. You have to figure Mm -hmm. out the type of life that you want. And this was even two weeks ago. Mom, you and I Mm -hmm. were having a discussion because my husband recently had a bit of a career change. And we were revisiting and reevaluating what the landscape of our lives looked like and how money played a role in that. 
because I personally really believe in accessibility with coaching. And part of that means that I meet people where they're at, similar to you, Mm -hmm. mom. And so we had to figure out what our financial landscape needed to look like in order to fuel that part of the resource needs in our lives. And the Mm -hmm. first question that you gave me (laughs) to ask was, start from what do you want your life to look like? Oftentimes Mm -hmm. we start from the budget or we start from Mm -hmm. the, okay, I need to make more money as a baseline belief, right? That's just the belief we assume that there's always, it's never bad to have more money. And so starting from Mm -hmm. what type of life you want, what are your needs? We all have the Mm -hmm. basic needs, but beyond that, what are your needs? How do you want to design Mm -hmm. your life? And when we say things like, I'd really like to be able to go on vacation, I can tell you right now, not everybody values that the same. Everyone thinks that everybody wants to have money to be able to fly to places like Greece and chill on the beach. That's like miserable for me, the idea of being on the Mm -hmm. sun on the beach anywhere. So Mm -hmm. the reality is that we all value things differently. And it's because of being able to dig deep and raise that self-awareness that we can actually understand what we're trying to get at. So if you're looking at your friend's profile on Facebook or Instagram and you're saying to yourself, oh, must be nice to have all that money to be able to take all those vacations and you do a little bit of self-awareness digging, you might realize, I need some rest right now. I need some quality time with people, and I need to feed into the resource of relationships and connectivity. I need a little fun. And then Mm -hmm. using your naturally creative, resourceful, and whole self, (laughs) you can Mm -hmm. try and find a way to tap into that stuff. Because the reality is that whether we're on a beach, we're at our desks, we're on a walk near the house with our dog, we're with Mm -hmm. someone we love, fulfillment and joy and happiness feel the same to us in our bodies, no matter where they're coming from. So we get to decide how we want to generate that for ourselves using the many things available to us. We act as though money, the happiness that can come from money, because it can, the happiness that can come from the things that money enables us to do is the only way that we can find joy, is the Mm -hmm. only way Mm -hmm. that we can find fulfillment. But if we are curious Mm -hmm. about ourselves, and we are in tune with our needs, and we are aware of the constraints that we have, the realities that we're sitting in, and yet Mm -hmm. we still choose to reach toward that creativity, we can all Mm -hmm. find fulfillment in our lives. I think that's key. And I have a few years on you. And what I'll say is that very rarely is money, even in my conversations with myself and others, it's about the things that are important to me are my inner qualities and my virtues, right? And my health and Mm -hmm. my my mental health as well as my physical health, right? My personal growth and self-awareness, my emotional intelligence, and then my knowledge and my wisdom and how I can form relationships and connections with all of those. And sure, does money help contribute? Yeah. Like you were saying, it helped us get the podcast off the ground. It helped us form the retreat that we're running. It helped educate me in mental health and helped me get my license. So it definitely has a place, but just not necessarily in the driver's seat only. It is a privilege, but it is not a measurement of our worth. Correct. That, I think, is a good place to land for now. This is obviously a very convoluted conversation, and there are a lot of realities entrenched in money talks as well, but hopefully this enables and empowers people to be a little bit more liberal and generous in how they approach the money conversation with themselves and with other people. We hope that you are able to 
see your greatness and go beyond the idea that money is the measuring stick of your life. It can be your values and your strengths and your purpose and all of these wonderful assets that you have available simply because you're you. If there's anything you want to clarify, if there's more topics we could go into, please don't hesitate to reach out on nomi.coach forward slash podcast. You can pop in topic suggestions or follow-up suggestions or anything like that. We're very eager to have the conversation with you all. So please do. We should probably close with a classic quote, even though I cheated earlier and I said one too. And I like this. I like that. The more quotes, the merrier. (laughs) And this quote is by Thomas Jefferson. The value of money is not in its possession, but in its use. Thank you so much for spending time with us. We can't wait to hear your feedback on this episode. And until next time, be well. That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope our conversation provides some insight and practical ways to navigate and understand you. If you have found our show to be helpful, please pass it along. Madeline and I are hoping you will join us in creating a ripple effect of mental health and well-being. As always, thanks for listening to the Nomi Podcast. This is Cynthia and Madeline asking you to be good to you.